Hey everybody, I'm Robert Yerby, and I'm an insurance professional, and admittedly, kind of an insurance nerd. My friends and family tell me that nobody is going to want to listen to a podcast about insurance, so instead, on this show, I'm hoping to share a story or have a conversation with a guest about some relatable experience, and then show you how insurance impacts that story or topic. My hope is you'll enjoy a few laughs with me and maybe learn at least one interesting thing about insurance along the way. Here we go. Okay, all right. Hey, everybody, this is Robert. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'll tell you what, it is the day before 4th of July, so Monday the 3rd. I like to tell people when we're doing this so you get a sense of how long it takes us to kind of get this out. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a couple of weeks. I'm sitting here with uh, Lisa Reberg, and I sh maybe I shouldn't say sitting here with you. You're you're all the way in California. I'm in Arizona, but through the miracle of technology, there you are. Indeed, here we are. And we're we kind of got jipped out of a holiday weekend, didn't we? <laughs> we're, we're dedicated, Robert. We are dedicated. And my phone's been ringing, and I've been answering emails. I, it's, it's like a real work day today. No, it's a real work day. I've actually got an application in this morning, and I've got some medical records that just came in, so it's it's a work day. I, I don't know about you. I'm not real big on 4th of July because it, it seems like an incredibly dangerous holiday to me, and unnecessarily so. Are, are, are you like that, where you like shy away from fireworks and stuff like that? I, I don't shy away from them, Robert, but I live in the desert the way you do. And so we are high fire season. Um, so I limit it to obviously watching the professional fireworks that a lot of the cities have. Um, so that that part I do like. And I'm going to go I'm going to drive about two hours and see my family and, you know, have a barbecue and drive back home and then fix dinner for my husband. But um, the reality is I, I do like Fourth of July. Um, I'm just a kid at heart for sure, but you are right. It is dangerous and people I think need to be responsible. And sometimes, unfortunately they're not. Yeah. I like the get together aspect of it. I mean, mm -hmm. I like dogs and burgers and, you know, hanging with a drink by the kiddie pool or whatever, but uh, I'm, I'm the cranky uncle that's, you know, pointing out like those fireworks, you know, the, the sparklers can still burn the little kids, you know, be careful. Right. Right. And it's true. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, I, sometimes I see the look on their faces, though, and it's almost like, why is he hanging out with us? <laughs> you're the uncool uncle. Is that what you're trying to tell me? On the 4th of July, I'm, I'm definitely Got the it. uncool uncle. Got yeah. it. Well, I'm the cool aunt 24-7, 365, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, too, because, you know, they appreciate uh, the insurance mind of mine, like the, the risk analysis uncle you know when it's convenient for them but as soon as you know i'm pointing out the fun things that they're doing are dangerous then they don't like it well fair enough i mean you know i think we were probably all that way when we were kids we just want to hear the good stuff and don't want to hear the bad stuff but that way as adults too as a matter of fact <laughs> yeah so do you have friends coming to you because maybe didn't properly introduce you to everybody but you're in the insurance world just like me and you have a, a very niche specialty in life insurance and uh, i'll ask you about that in a second but i'm just curious like do you have people coming to you asking you about every different kind of insurance just because they hear insurance and like your profession and they're asking about car insurance and annuities and stuff you have nothing to do with 
You know what? No, because um, my my circle of friends, you know, knows what I do. Every once in a while, I'll have a client say, hey, thanks for helping me on this. But do you you know, my my friend needs life insurance. Can you help me with that? Uh, and of course, then I would just refer them to the agent that, you know, that referred me the, the, the client in the first place. Well, I definitely get this a lot. I have a pretty uh, niche specialty too. I, I'm just working with with lenders and uh, property investors primarily, but I'll still have friends, relatives. I mean, the people I just run into casually, they, they will always seem to be asking me about, oh, so yeah, I had to say on my homeowner's policy or, you know, my... <laughs> My flood insurance. Should I get flood insurance? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not my thing. Sorry. Yeah. And so then, then that leads me to, you know, you should you should talk to your agent. And and often what I hear is, oh, I don't I don't have an agent. Like I I called an eight hundred number or I bought it online. Not yeah, I think. I, you know, I'm a big proponent of insurance agents. I love insurance agents. I've been working with insurance agents for 32 years, actually longer than that, probably at this point. Uh, the service they provide, my opinion, is so valuable um, to clients for exactly the reason you just cited. I don't have an agent. I call an 800 number, and yet clients have questions. Invariably, they have questions. Um, and so, you know, my bias and my support is for insurance agents for all the hard work they do. And a lot of times they do a lot of hard work for free. They're only paid commission when a case is written or maybe a case was written, you know, five years ago. The client still has questions that the agents will um, will uh, support them and answer their questions and do, you know, supportive work for free. So they they earn their keep for sure. Yeah. And, and so at this point, yeah, I, I definitely want to let everybody know what it is that you're doing. Uh, with life insurance. Explain for us real quick. Right. So we are in a very, as you mentioned, niche uh, part of the life insurance world. We are actually an asset sale. So we help clients sell their their life insurance policies for cash. So backstory real quick, two and a half million seniors a year will lapse or surrender their life insurance policies. That means they're going to walk away with little or nothing. We're here to uh, get them more money than just walking away with little or nothing. We're here to help them sell that, like I said, for cash. We work with a lot of insurance agents and financial advisors across the country um, and a lot of referral partners, and we're privileged to do so. And I imagine this, this comes up in so many different ways where somebody would be considering surrendering or, or letting it lapse. You know, I, I came to you with a story a few months ago where a friend of mine or a business associate who's, who's not in life insurance sales, her father is 80 something, has a uh, relatively small face amount on his policy, but the, the premiums were getting jacked up to where now it's, it's thousands of dollars every year. And I'm, I'm sort of going off memory, but maybe it's a $50,000 face amount. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was starting to be, you know, is, is it worth it? And I, I think ultimately they are going to let it last. But I, of course, right. called you and, and said, hey, what do you think about this? Right. That's a very good example. Um, and, you know, another example is somebody has a term policy and maybe it's coming to the end of the term. 
or maybe it's coming up to their conversion privilege. Uh, people can convert their term policies to those universal life or whole life policies that you were just referencing uh, without asking health questions. And so maybe they're coming up to the end of their conversion privilege in their term policy and they want to convert part of it. Don't let the balance of it go to waste. Or maybe I'm trying to find ways to pay for assisted living or memory care. Selling a life insurance policy can be a good way to do that. You know, I'm, and I'm going to hit you on the fly with a question. I just thought of somebody else that I know. Uh, she has a term life policy. I have to imagine is getting close to the point where, you know, her, her 20 or 25 year term is going to be up for guaranteed premiums, you know, and mm -hmm. she's, she's survived breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wonder if, she might not be thinking, oh, I'm going to have to let that lapse because the premiums are going to be out of control. Yes. Unaffordable yeah, for her, but there might be some value there to an investor. Right. There could be. Uh, and, and we see that, like I said, a lot. And we also see those pol the policy that you described in the beginning where the premiums are just going really up really high. Uh, those are typically universal life policies that we insurance geeks call blowing up or imploding. They're mm -hmm. just, there's no cash left in it. And clients either don't want to or can't put more money into them to keep them going. Uh, we, like I said, we see them all the time. And, you know, back to your point, it, what we do is, just getting people more money, right, than just walking away from their policies. And on average, we generate three to five times cash surrender value. So even if policies do have cash in them, sometimes we I've got two clients right now, husband and wife, where they are going, they are going to surrender their policies to get the cash out, if you will, because they're both in assisted living. And so they they want that money to pay for assisted living. And we got them about twenty thousand dollars more than because they had a lot of cash in the policies. Well, we got about twenty thousand dollars more than just surrendering the policies. I've got a client right now where he's got six thousand dollars of cash and he's going to be getting one hundred and fifty thousand dollars from selling it. And you, you mentioned these policies blowing up. I mean, I'm not in that business, but I'm hearing a lot about that too. Does that create opportunities for you? I mean, is, are those a lot of the cases that you're working? They are, so it might surprise you. So those universal life policies that are blowing up, yes, we see them all the time. They're the number, they're our number one seller, but a close number two, and I mean a really close number two, is term. Um, so it's almost a 50-50 split between the two, not quite. Those universal life policies are a little bit um, ahead by about a percentage or two, but not a lot. So we say a lot of UL and a lot of uh, term policies. Okay, and let me circle kind of back to what I was talking before about, you know, people not having agents. You know, I wonder if people don't have an agent that's advising them. Are you working, you know, with people that have bought these policies online and just they've got no guidance on what to do next? Well, so I'm not a financial advisor, Robert, right? And so people should consult their professionals. But here's what I see a lot of. I see a lot of people who did buy those policies online. However, since that time, they have talked to an insurance agent and that insurance agent has contacted me because the great thing about what we do is these insurance agents do not need to be the writing agent on a client's life insurance policy to help them. 95, 97% of the time, they're not the writing agent. They're, they're just helping a client who may be their auto insurance client, who may be their medical insurance client, their Medicare 
your client. Uh, these are great ways to help clients in, in um, a unique way. Okay. Hey, that's that's interesting. I I don't write life insurance, and one of the reasons is it, it is complicated. You know what? I I don't understand universal life and variable adjustable life and all that stuff. And I I know that they're complicated. I I wouldn't want to just dabble in something that's complicated like that. So I choose not to do it. But what you're saying is, I just if I just know somebody that's that's got a policy and, and maybe it's a good fit for this, we can work together. Absolutely. And and we do pay insurance agents commissions. So if they have a life license, we can we can pay them commissions on it too. So this is my opinion, obviously, but the beautiful thing about what we do is it's a win-win-win for everybody. It's a win for a client, right? It's it's better for them sometimes to sell it than just letting it go. The investor groups who purchase these policies receive an investment, so they they win. They're happy. Insurance agents we work with and financial advisors we work with are happy because they receive a commission, and then of course you know we're happy because we receive a commission as as well combined with the insurance agent. But the other thing too is if many different professionals can benefit from what we do. We work with elder law attorneys. We work with fiduciaries who are once again trying to take care of their clients. We work with senior placement referral specialists, reverse mortgage specialists, because once the client has the money, maybe they can pay down their mortgage and qualify for reverse mortgage. Or once again, maybe they can qualify now for assisted living or a different assisted living community. So that benefits the senior placement referral specialists. You know, financial advisors, once the client has their money, right, that client has $150,000, they might need an annuity or different product sales or, or reinvest some money, whatever they're going to do with it. Um, so it benefits the professionals who refer uh, people as well. Okay. Well, so you just mentioned the investor group. I, I, I've had this conversation with a friend about just, just the whole idea of some wealthy fat cat somewhere having a having your old life insurance policy waiting around for you to die so he can cash it in. And how that, there's a creepy factor to that. Yeah, there is on the surface. Sorry to interrupt you. Yes, there is on the surface. However, I'm so glad you brought that up because here's the reality. There's a lot of misperceptions about how this market works and what we do and what the buyers do and all and all you know, those those types of um, aspects of it. But not only is this legal, this has been legal since 1911. Obviously, the market it did not start until fairly recently. But more importantly, it's highly regulated by departments of insurance across the country. So not only am I regulated as a life settlements broker, I'm on team client, right? I'm here to market their policy to get the most amount of money that we can for them. But the buyers are regulated. And I think in many cases, that's going to be even more important. You can't just walk in and start buying policies, right? You have to be approved by the Department of Insurance many times, post a bond, show HIPAA protections before they can be approved to buy policies in that state. And many states will mandate that these buyers tell them every year the policies that they're buying. And these buyers can be and are audited. So the bottom line is there's a lot of checks and balances here. And that is all for client protections for all the right reasons and all the reasons you cited earlier. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, if you're helping me land a check for six figures, the creepy factor kind of 
gets lost. You know, I'm just happy I've got the money. Right. Well, you know, but the other thing is too, Robert, we sell policies for $6,000. Literally, we have one selling right now for $6,000. So it's term policy and the term policy was ending and he, the gentleman was going to have zero. So it's like $6,000 beats zero. Um, so it works out, like I said, it's a win-win-win for everybody. The worst case scenario is we can't sell a policy for, for whatever reason it is. And okay, and the client you know, walks away and at least they and their advisors know that they've looked at all the options and they now can make the best decision for them and their family. Yeah. So many people have no idea this is even an option. They have absolutely no idea and their advisors have no idea. So perspective, I mentioned two and a half million seniors a year will lapse or surrender their policies, right? Last year, a little bit over 3,000 sold their policy. That's it. So my point here is not that all two and a half million could sell it. Maybe the policies were too small or whatever, but an awful lot more than 3,000 could have sold their policies. They just had no idea this was even an option. They have no idea that a life insurance policy is an asset. Any policy, any life policy is an asset that they own. And because they own it and because it's an asset, they can sell it. Yeah. I mean, those, yeah, those numbers are are, are kind of staggering. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Out of two and a half million. Um, okay, well, I'm in the insurance business. I get emails. I bet you I get one a day from somebody I don't know that I've never heard of that is talking about life settlements. There are people, I don't want to say like you, but there are other life settlement you know, professionals out there and they're just spamming us, which kind of kind of makes me and maybe some other you know producers wonder about you know the ethics or I don't know, the, the tactics anyway. Yeah, so good question. I will say this. Clearly I'm biased, right, as a life settlement broker. So yeah transparency i will say this if i if it's a family member of mine or a friend of mine i would say use a broker not just because i am a broker but because i know the value that brokers provide so back to your point some of those emails and i'm going to suspect a good number of those emails are probably coming from buyers directly no disrespect to the buyers. We need the buyers, right, to help clients. And we work with the buyers that you are seeing emails from. The point here is this. When a client calls the 800 number on TV and they are aggressively advertising, and frankly, I like the fact they're advertising because it raises visibility for this market. So it's actually a good thing from that perspective. However, if a client goes directly to a buyer, they are probably underselling their policy. Um, and the reason for that is the buyer and no disrespect, you know, when you and I go to the car lot and we're going to go buy a car, we're not trying to pay the most amount of money for that asset, right? We're trying to pay the least amount. We're trying to get a deal. So are these buyers. They are not going to put their best foot forward. They are not going to give the best offer. Um, they're trying to get a deal. And unlike real estate, there's no comps. So clients don't know how much their policy is worth. I, I, and, you don't know it because you don't see it, but I see it every day. The client that, I, that we got the $150,000 for, we started out at 30. So the buyers will tell people, oh, yes, but brokers get paid commissions. That is absolutely true. However, 
in my opinion, we earn our keep. Because if that client I was just telling you about went to a buyer directly, he very well may have sold this policy for $30,000 because he has no idea how much the policy is worth, right? There's no way to know it. I know when we market a policy and we have the number, whatever that number is, I know that that is the highest number the market will bear. I know that there's nobody going to offer higher than what we have. And so we're here to maximize value for clients. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I can definitely see that. An analogy I was thinking of was, you know, trying to sell your house on your own without a realtor to save the, the 3% or whatever. Right. The, the, but the difference, Robert, is at least if I'm, and I agree with you 100%, but at least if I'm trying to sell my house, I have comps. I know what houses in my neighborhood have sold for. There sure. is no such thing in life insurance settlements. So it literally is a full, mar it's a fully market driven um, process. The, the, the clients have no idea how much their policies are worth. They, there's no way to know. Very true. Maybe there will be someday some sort of like online reference for people to be able to do that. But I'm hearing you right. As of today, nothing like that exists. Well, I tell you what I do, what we do have and what is out there. There is a life settlement calculator out there. Um, I happen to have one. It's not on my website on purpose, but I do have I do have one. And what it is, is it's the average of what a large buyer pays for policies of in this example, I'll give an example. Yesterday I was, I was working with an insurance agent on this. Yes. On a Sunday, a uh, 91 year old gentleman has $150,000 universal life policy. It has no cash in it. Right. Sound familiar. Um, and the insurance agent really wanted to at least give the client some range of options. And so, um, I did use the calculator on that and it, what it'll say is, hey, if you're unhealthy, here's what the average is, you know, slightly unhealthy, healthy, you know, the, at the different levels. But and here's the caveat. It doesn't matter. Right. Because everything is so specific to each client. I used it only so he could tell his client, look, it may make sense for you to pay another month of premium because here's your opportunity. Um, so I don't use it a lot, but I'm saying that it's out there. It's just misleading. There are brokers and frankly buyers that will put it on their website. And it's frankly a lead generator because once again, it doesn't mean that that's what you're going to get. It means that that's just the average of what the buyer has paid for policies that look like yours. Does that make sense? Yeah, gotcha. All right. Well, it seems like the moral of the story is if you got a life insurance policy, don't let it lapse, don't surrender it. So you talk to somebody, see what it might be worth. Yeah, that's that's right. That's exactly right. That that's the entire moral of the story for the entire podcast. Don't do that until you talk mm -hmm. to someone about selling it. All right. Well, I love exploring these these tiny little areas in the insurance world that most people have never even heard of. I right. Exactly. That. No, and I appreciate the opportunity to raise visibility. I'm obviously passionate about what we do. Um, and just here to let people know this is an option for them. And it can be a good option because they could be leaving tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table. Yeah. And and so it just so happens you and I work together. Of course, I teach insurance continuing education courses. And you uh, actually you have one course with us and, you, and we're going to debut another one here in a matter of weeks yes. on this topic. Yeah, very excited about it. So everybody out there listening, uh, hey, if you like the podcast, rate it, give us a review, tell your friends, coworkers, 
and if you are a licensed uh, producer or adjuster and you're looking for continuing education, check out the live webinars we have available at bmfce.com. Lisa, thank you again for joining me. Absolute pleasure, with- Robert. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a great day. Yeah, we'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks.